So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales, or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds, like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on. But when it's like, oh, we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening. It's like very different. (laughs) And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction for you, Sam, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. Dipsystories.com slash just break up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when your ex moves into your neighborhood, emotional affairs, and holding off the inevitable. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners or couples therapists. We are just two people who have a lot of opinions about people's lives and want to share them with lots of other people. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Uh, We are not professionals. We are not trained in any of this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Sam, guess what today is? I have no idea. Well, today in like the (laughs) podcast world, which is Uh like an ever changing day, because you could listen to this at any time. (laughs) Very true. Very true. (laughs) Sort of like the metaverse. Um, Anyway, it it is our 200th episode of Just Break Up. Can you believe? I can believe that. Mostly because we've been doing this for so long. <laughs> we've recorded so many episodes. So it's like very much part of, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. 200 sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, there's even more than that because of our Patreon. We should like add it up one day. But this is our 200th right. primary episode. Um, and 
also later this week um, on July 16th is our four year anniversary. We've been doing Just Breakup for four years. That's wild. So I think it is wild. I think Sam and I just wanted to take a moment to thank our wonderful Just Breakup community, our listeners, new and old, um, and uh sort of daydream about what the next 200 episodes of Just Break Up could look like mm-hmm. if we are around that long. Um, yeah. And then we have a couple cool announcements at the end of our check-in and we'll get into our letters. So Sam, what does the next 200 episodes of Just Break Up look like to you? <laughs> That's wild. I'm trying to like, don't say be exhausting. Like a- <laughs> I will hang up. <laughs> uh, no, that'll be another four years. So like in 200 episodes, I'll be 38 and you'll be 40. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Just kidding. Um, I, what's crazier is my, chi- my child will be four. Yeah. That that's impossible. wild. That's, yeah. that's weird. No, she's that's going to be a, a um, nugget for the rest of her she's life. A baby. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I will be 23. That's um, right. Perpetually yeah, sorry, the messiest to... year of my life. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think if we if if just break up is around in the next two hundred years, I think two hundred years. Wow! Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. <laughs> uh, yeah, next two hundred years. That means we pass it on to my children and my children's children, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and your nephews. <laughs> that's right. Um, oh, I would love. I would love if my nephews gave a relationship <laughs> advice beautiful what would it be like right now oh my god uh the oldest would just be like would have some sort of like very logical response to everything and be totally convinced that he's right um yep and then the youngest uh would give some like very thoughtful advice that is like very heartfelt and meaningful um but also just like wrong (laughs) So you and me, essentially, yeah, exactly. but just like in the bodies of these yeah, young for sure. people. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You, no yeah, one would us- experience a change, honestly. They would be like, oh, is that, that's weird. Why are they both redheads? I yeah, thought that they were, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. two different people. <laughs> yeah. You got some cute nephews, man. They are so cute. Um, okay. Yeah. So the next, let's, let's stay dream. If we were doing this four years from now, things that I would hope for us mm-hmm. is I would hope that you were doing just break up full time because mm-hmm. general reminder, Sam still has a full time job. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope that we were doing um, like book tours and oh, like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I would hope that we were like on like my favorite murder level which we will never be because like mental health and relationship help will never be as sensational as murder yes (laughs) that's just the truth like honestly if one of y'all could write in and be like i murdered my partner please what should i do (laughs) please do not murder your partner and please do not write into us if you murdered your partner i don't want that I do not want that in my life. I do not need that responsibility. Yeah, maybe the next 200 episodes will have like legal culpability. <laughs> my worst nightmare. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, just kidding about all that murder stuff. Um, other than the fact that it's sensationalized. Um, For sure. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that in 200 episodes, I would like to not second guess everything I say on this fucking show. (laughs) But just kidding. That's a part of being human. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think our advice will get even more nebulous. Like it'll just. It will. We'll just we'll just think about more things that yes. could be happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Episode one, we were like, "Black, black, black." That son of a bitch. He has no retrieving, uh, no, ret- no. Uh, what's the word? Redeeming qualities. Re- there we go. Retrieving <laughs> qualities. Great, great, Sierra. Good job talking professionally for a living. And uh-huh. no retrieving uh-huh. qualities. He's a border collie, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Uh, but like, you know, 200th episode, we're like, you know, like, you know, put an emotional block on it. And then our 400th episode, we're just going to be like, we are all atoms floating in space, (laughs) bumping into each other. I mean, honestly, And I turn into Moira Rose. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. It's very true. I hope that in 200 episodes, uh, you're still always using the wrong words for things. Cause like, I want that to be (laughs) consistent across our... Cross our over. Yeah. What else will be consistent? I think like me using the wrong words, pronouncing things wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, me laughing at you. Like yeah, me making funny. a lot of affirming mm, noises that will not stop. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, people who Absolutely. write reviews. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely is your absolutely yes. is your transition word. Uh huh. Yep. Um and. Then I also think that we'll probably just like keep um, understanding why we're like complicated, inherently flawed people who are For good sure. inside. <laughs> I also anticipate or maybe that- not because the world has been really fucked up lately, and it's making me feel a lot of things. Oh, what were you sure. gonna say? <laughs> No, I'm also interested, we'll be interested to see if in 200 episodes we're answering like similar questions still because it yes, is like totally part of me just thinks that like this experience of heartbreak is so um, like so iterative, like it just like recurs over and over again. And people, no matter how much, pod, how many podcasts they listen to or how much self-help they do, like experiencing heartbreak is just yeah. so unexpected um, and so difficult yeah. when you're in it that um, I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see if it's like, no, everyone like can he, like doesn't even need advice anymore. They're just like so fig- they've got it all so figured out. Or if it'll be like, yeah, no, we're all still going through it. Cool, yeah, because yeah. we're humans. Yeah, we're and all that's what, still here. That's, totally, <laughs> that's what humans do. Um, I love that. That's a perfect place to end it. In addition to acknowledging that I think I just said two hundred years again, <laughs> again. by accident. <laughs> So like in 200 be years when we're still on doing a the spaceship podcast. somewhere, we're going to be like, yeah, yeah we're going to be like no, Starship just Enterprise. Planet's going to burn. We're yeah. Gonna be fit, it, recording it, this in 10 forward. Whoopi yeah. Goldberg will be there. Oh, these are, cool. These are all um, Star Trek references in case anyone's confused. <laughs> you're so cute. Uh, okay. So, um, yes, in honor of our. 200th episode and our four-year anniversary we're gonna put out a bonus episode this week um another installment of our new beloved where are they now episodes where we're gonna um we're gonna attempt to answer four questions from the four different years if we have those in our in our belt 
So we're going to air that Where They Now episode on Thursday, July 14th. You can check it out on our primary feed. It should just come up on your podcast player. Um, if you uh, had your letter answered on our show at some point or the, over the last four years, we want to hear from you. You can give us a call and update us about your um, your conundrum, your pickle that led us to just break up. Um, our our voicemail is 612-486-2550. And we want to know how it worked out. Did you take our advice? Did I like mispronounce any words? Did, <laughs> did you not take our advice? Um, we just want to hear an update from you. Um, and if possible, submit under the, let us know the name that you submitted under and the episode that we answered it on, if you can summarize that to the best of your ability. Um, so that's the first cool thing that we were going to announce. Um, Wait, Tio, there's also like in, a, a three minute, limit on the voicemail? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. There's a three-minute limit. Obviously, you can call back if you have more things to say, but just be in mind of that time. You know, you can leave us as many voicemails as you want as long as they're nice. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Spencer has to listen to them. So um, anyway, uh, so... <laughs> be nice to Spencer, people. He does a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> oh, so much work. So much somewhat paid labor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, uh, we're going to air that bonus episode in honor of our two, four year anniversary and our 200th episode. And also, uh, you know, we've been changing up things over on our Patreon. Last month we had our very first Patreon live, um, where we got to hang out with some of our patrons who join us at the $10 level. Um, and y'all, we decided like very last minute, um, because we're just like experimenting to do that on Zoom. It was very March 2020 vibes, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it was like a private Zoom call with me and Sam and Spencer and um, a gang of our $10 subscribers. It was super intimate, super fun. We checked in about a topic and then we answered your questions live, like either via chat or um, via video. Um, So if you want to hang out with Sam and I in a Zoom room, we are doing our very next live patreon live on sunday july 31st at Mm -hmm. 3 p.m eastern 2 p.m central um Mm -hmm. if you have a question you can come hang out with us um and get your answer your question answered um short form question like should i block this person how do you make me friends things like that um and that is open to our patrons at the ten dollar level you can just subscribe for that one month you can subscribe annually you can subscribe for five dollars and still get all of those um bonus episodes you know um it you can cancel anytime if you want but you can pay 10 bucks to join us for that live if you can if you have the means to support us if you don't we love you anyway that's right yeah thank you for listening and um, engaging in the content because that's also important and we love you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On that note, uh, Sam and I are like repeatedly uh, really moved and humbled by the fact that y'all are listening. Um, Whether you joined us recently because you had your heart broken or whether you joined us four years ago because you had your heart broken and you, you stuck around for the head and heart work. Um, uh, we're just so grateful. We feel really lucky to do this. I feel mm. so deeply lucky to work with my two best friends in this work, particularly, mm-hmm. which is, you know, constantly exposing and constantly vulnerable, but it's nowhere, there's nowhere I'd rather be putting my energy. So um, thank you to our wonderful, wonderful listeners. You all are just like literally the best. So thanks. Yeah. And good news is, is that you get to do it for another 200 years. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yep. 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 Maybe I'll get my laugh tuned up by then. <laughs> mm, I don't think you need to change yeah. your laugh in no, any No, it's going to turn more into like a witch's cackle, which it already is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay. A couple episodes ago, we tried to do a, a vampire impression, oh. and now we're doing a witch's laugh. So I forgot how bad that vampire impression was. It was, was so funny. That, that makes me laugh just thinking about it, because I like generally don't know how to do a Dracula. Okay, anyway, uh, let's get into our letters and do what we came here to do. Okay. All right. Our first letter comes from an open wound, whose pronouns are she, her, whose location is... My neighborhood, bitch, which I just really love. (laughs) Dear Sam and Sierra, I'm writing because I love your tender and honest advice. And this situation is full of triggers that have me ruminating and feeling like an open wound. I just found out my ex-boyfriend moved into my neighborhood with his girlfriend. And it's all I can think about. Here's a little backstory Mm. for context. March 2020, right before the pandemic hit, I was going through an insane amount of transition in my life. I, she, her, 30, moved to a small city about a five-hour drive away from my hometown for a resume-building job where I knew no one. I didn't want to be in the city forever, but I knew that this job could be the leg up I needed in my niche industry. As I was starting my new job, the pandemic hit and I was out of my mind lonely. Those are some of the hardest mental health moments and memories to revisit in my mind. I was single, lived alone, worked at home, and knew almost no one in my new city. To cope, I ended up spending lots of time driving back to my home city, staying with my parents, and seeing friends back home as it was safe to do so. That's when I got the courage to slide into my old college crutches, 32 he, him, DMs, and it worked. He had, we had a bit of a flirtatious history, but we'd never tried dating, and I couldn't believe that shooting my shot worked. We started dating long distance. He lived in my home city, and I knew I eventually wanted to move back. It was perfect. I liked him so much, and I had lots of dreams for what our post-pandemic future would look like. We ran in the same social group, and it felt like our lives and hobbies fit well together. It was an incredible relief to have someone with whom I to go through the pandemic, the election, and all of the other surrounding personal and national chaos that felt impossible to deal with alone. After a few months, my job began to require me back in the office more and away from my home city. He broke up with me about six months in. I guess I wasn't worth the effort of long distance. I was so heartbroken, but I had no choice but to try to reckon with that heartbreak and pursue new dreams. I worked hard at my job and eventually landed a new one with my dream organization back in my home city. A few months ago, I moved back to start fresh. I chose an apartment in my favorite neighborhood, knowing it would feel like home and that my ex lived safely across town where I wouldn't run into him. But we still run in the same circles, and a friend told me that he moved to my neighborhood just down the street with his now girlfriend. It's all I can think about. Their apartment is on my bike route to work. I worry about seeing him at every turn. I think constantly about his girlfriend, who is thinner and prettier than me. I feel like my safe, sweet neighborhood was ripped away from me and is now full of triggers and reminders that I wasn't good enough for him. In every other regard, my life has felt so abundant, full of friends, doing work that is fulfilling and allows for balance, and absolutely loving where I'm living with all of my heart. I want to move on and be open to that love that will feel safe and secure and mutual. I'm tired of being hung up on someone who didn't want me. I wish this wasn't so triggering for me, but it is. I don't. I know I don't own this neighborhood, but it feels like it's mine. Choosing it was an intentional mm-hmm. way to reinvent my future and build myself a new beginning. 
I worked so hard to make this dream of moving here happen for myself. Now he and the girl he did choose have what feels to me like to me invaded it. And I'm so, so angry. It doesn't help that I've been trying to date now that I'm all settled and it hasn't exactly been going well. How do I stop thinking about this? Should I just move? What kind of things would you tell yourself in the midst of these triggers to help you handle it with grace? I know this sounds so dramatic, but I'm angry that I lost my safe space. Oh, my darling, um, an open wound. It is not dramatic. I mean, it just sucks. <laughs> it just sucks. I mean, it it might feel dramatic in the scope of like the world suffering, but also it's real. This is your home. This is your spa- safe space. This is a this is a neighborhood you moved into to make yourself feel good to create a space of healing for you. And mm-hmm. then like a little wound came up and was like, no, 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 I'm gonna like fuck with your personal space. And to give you context, like. I was talking to my spouse this morning about the letters, like in preparation for it, about what I was going to say. And my, my wife is like the, one of the most like mindful, really secure, like level headed people I know. And she was like, Oh my God, that would like totally piss me off. That would totally fuck with me because (laughs) like I said, our homes where we sleep at night are, are our safe spaces, right? Especially when you're trying to like reinvent yourself or re or commit to healing or, or wellness, you know, you don't want to have to like, see the thing that hurts you every day. That's real. That's a real pain and annoyance. It might be like uh, dramatic in, like I said, the context of, I don't know, world hunger, but it fucking hurts, right? For sure. For sure. And it makes things harder, period. Absolutely. So like you're allowed to be angry that this is happening. (laughs) Like it's, I I don't blame you for it. it, Right? (laughs) Absolutely. And like, um, having some of those meta feelings, uh, often like prevents us from actually just feeling the thing that we need to feel, which is like anger and sadness and resentment or whatever it is. Instead, we're like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling so bad that I'm feeling so angry. And it's like, that's not actually right. helping just like feel the anger. The anger's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not doing anything wrong. There's, it's not a bad thing. Um, right. and I would also encourage you to think about like, you know, what would actually happen if you ran into this person, right? Like, what would it actually be like? What What would you anticipate happening? Like, would it, my guess is, is that you would like see each other and like maybe wave, maybe not. Maybe it would be awkward. Maybe you would say something to each other, perhaps not. Maybe you'll just see him as you're biking past his apartment, like letting the dog out or whatever. And it'll be really upsetting for yeah, a period of time, right? <laughs> Stupid dog probably going to be really cute honestly (laughs) because all dogs are yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but like what is the like literally what's the worst thing that could happen um yeah and and try to like right size some of this anxiety about it right like i think that the the fear of running into the x is often so much bigger than the the actual act of it right like and I know this firsthand from like experiences that I've had where I've been like, I cannot, absolutely cannot run into that person. Like it will be the end of the world if I do. And then I do. And I'm like, oh, that's just a person. And I don't have to like talk to them if I don't want to. And I can just like wave from across the room and like nobody dies. (laughs) Like we just kind of get over it. It's like, ah, that sucks. I don't like to be around that person. And then I go and I find a way to not be around that person. Right. I continue on my bike ride or. I go to a different restaurant or I just ignore them, right? Like, which is also a big possibility. So I want you to like really think and not like in a, in a 
catastrophizing way, but like literally like what could be the worst that would happen if you saw this person as you were biking past their apartment? Like what would happen? What would it, what would literally go wrong if that happened to you? Yeah. And I'm going to tack on to that. Like, so for me, what the worst thing that could happen is that it could ruin my day. Right. Like, and that's me sure. being, you know, generous or, or, or realistic it could really crush me. Right. You can really be triggered by that and it can bring up feelings of like self-worth and whatever. But my, you know, you ask this for like tangible takeaways and you can't kick them, kick them out of the neighborhood. You can't, it's not worth okay. it for me to move necessarily, not necessarily for me. What's really worth it is to say, I can do hard things. I can be in the same room as that person. Um, mm -hmm. I can walk past him and know that my peace is sacred, that my pain is real and that th my annoyance is real. But I can, I can say I can endure this discomfort because I'm strong and I'm capable, even when I feel sad, even when I am triggered, even mm. when I feel rejected, I can find strength in myself. I feel like we don't always tap into that duality within us that just because we're hurting doesn't mean we aren't strong and doesn't mean we aren't capable. For me, yeah. this letter is like, uh, is, is essentially about being pissed because there's not a lot of <laughs> tangible things that we can do other than making space for our pissed offedness, right? Yep. Like, yep. oh man, this fucking, can you believe, you know, when I was prepping for this episode, it reminded me of something that we haven't talked about on this show in a while, which is our trauma laughs, right? <laughs> when we, and, and I think one day, open wound, you're going to laugh at this and maybe it'll be a year from now or two years from now, or maybe it'll be next week, or maybe it's right now as you're listening to this letter. Like one day you're going to fucking laugh like, ha, do you remember when my fucking ex moved into my fucking neighborhood with his new fucking girlfriend? Oh, my mm -hmm. God. <laughs> the universe, right? What a bitch. <laughs> For sure. And the same way that I have laughed with Sam on this show so many times about the redonkulous things <laughs> that I have accepted in the past or the things that I've done in the past. You know what I mean? Like the fact that my cheating on me lying ex broke up with me. That's hysterical to me at this point because it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. And it was almost funny for me at the time, almost, because I was like, this is just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that I have to go through this and do this. And, yeah, I mean, that's just like a part. Of it. The universe has a sense of humor for sure, and it's a fucked up one. <laughs> um, I also want to, like, add on to what Sam's – um line of thinking of terms of like, what's the worst could it happen? Also put it in perspective, like how long do you have to be in, in community with this person? Not, I mean, yeah, you could think about like your lease, like, okay, this is a year of my life or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, this is a fraction of my day. I'm going to see this person for 45 seconds. Put that into the scope of your waking hours. And you're like, okay, I can, I mean, I, I, this is a page out of um, labor uh, prep. You know, you think like, oh, your contractions it. last like 90 seconds or two minutes or whatever. And you say, I can do something hard for two minutes. Um, don't get me wrong. It's like really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and also you can, I, it helps me to think like, okay, that's only, it's two minutes of 
pure torture. And for you, you can say, all right, two for two minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to stare at this dude that broke my heart. But that's two minutes out of 60 minutes out of however many hours that you're awake in that day. Don't let those two minutes co-opt the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I know, Sam and I know these things are all easier said than done. We're just trying to give you strategies or like different perspectives on how to deal with this. Because yes, right. at the end of the day, this is painful and it sucks. Period. It does suck. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also like, I want to also like put ourselves in like the shoes of your ex too, like running into you on the street um, and how like, Like what I picture is him like literally standing outside his apartment with his dog and just like watching you bike past like to your dream job in your dream neighborhood, like living your life with all of your friends and like you don't even need him. Right. Like, yeah, that is like what is like that's the vision that I have in my head of how this is going to look. And I want to just remind you that. Right. Like the pain that you're experiencing is exquisite to you. But you don't need to let other people know about that pain, mm. right? Like it's that oh like gosh. Juliana Calm song, <laughs> right? Like the Samuel, the, the chick song um, about like just um, put on don't, your. Don't let them know you're stressed out. Yeah, absolutely. Put on your shoes and strut the fuck around like you've got nothing to lose, right? Like don't. He doesn't need to know that you are experiencing this level of anxiety or fear of running into him, right? Because he doesn't get yeah. to to access it. So like I think putting yourself into his shoes too and sort of seeing yourself through his eyes, which will be what? You biking past him, what? You running into him at a bar. Like it doesn't it's so much like less you don't have to show him how fraught this thing is. And so then it doesn't have to be as much of a thing. Um Because like, I know that I was like, oh, if I run into my ex, they'll see me and they'll know that I'm like freaking out. They'll know that I'm like so embarrassed or like dreading this moment. And then when I actually like see exes or people that I don't like, what I do is I just turn on the cheerful and stupid and I'm like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Right? Like, you don't need to know how much mental anguish this is this. The idea of this happening has cost me. And we're just going to like get through it because awkward is a thing only if we make it a thing. And so I'm just going to choose not to be awkward in this moment. And so I would encourage you to think about like, this is a, this is a shitty situation that you have to run into the sex. Like, don't get me wrong about that. But I also want you to have the faith in yourself to know that you're going to be able to handle this, like the amazing person that you are. And it is, yes, it's going to be emotionally like a big blow to the stomach for sure, but it doesn't have to be like embarrassing or like life ending or like this terrible sort of uh, experience between the two of you. Like you have the ability to just do what you need to do to get through that moment in a way that's going to that's going to leave him with the impression that like you got it together, even if you don't feel like yeah. you quite do yeah. in this and moment. You, we don't really know the details of your breakup because you didn't share them, but you're like, okay, maybe it's like the long distance. You're not long distance anymore. And I'm not saying get back with this person because obviously he's moved on and so have you. But like maybe he's going to, in my fantasy, he sees you and he's like, oh, the girl that I just couldn't keep because she was too far away is right in front of me. I don't know. <laughs> right? Maybe that's what he's thinking. You don't know. You don't know his inner life. You don't know. Yeah, totally. Uh, Also, his new girlfriend that she has nothing to do with you. He didn't choose her over you. Um, We don't we know that culturally we 
like as a society, society values thinness, but we're not going to overvalue that here. We're not going to use that as a weapon against ourselves here mm-hmm. at Just Break Up in our 200th episode. So like it, everything about her has nothing to do with you. And it's not a right. reflection of what is great or not great about you. Right. Sure. Um, we're not going to use that as a weapon against ourselves and we're not going to use it as a weapon against her either. Um yep. And I and the last go ahead. No, and I just want to. There's a couple things in your letter that I want to just like reframe, like rapid fire, which is that like you said, I guess I oh. wasn't worth the long distance. And I just want to reframe that and say you were definitely worth the long distance. He was just incapable of it, right? Not your fault. It's his fault. And the thing that you said about like I guess or knowing that I wasn't good enough for him, you were good enough for him. He just wasn't for you. Right. You are good enough for every single person on this planet. It's just that some people are not our people and that is okay. Yes. Yeah. It's not good enough. It's right for. Right. And you have a Mm -hmm. right to say this person's not right for me. And he does, too, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Those are the two Uh, things. Last thing. Okay, great. One more, one more reframe, rapid fire yeah. reframe. Um, we should be we a should thing do on the show, yeah, and then our, our show would be fifteen minutes long instead of an hour and a half. Um, one day, take off your sweatshirt. Your ex is gonna. I'm never gonna take off my sweatshirt. Sam's yelling at me because I'm fanning myself, and I'm wearing a sweatshirt because I want to wear it, even though these fucking studio lights are very hot, <laughs> and I can't open window because it affects our sound quality. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you can watch all this unfold on YouTube if you want to subscribe over there. It's just Freak Up Pod. Please um, do. <laughs> anyway, uh, the this person, your ex, is one day going to turn into just another person you see on the street. And you're going to know That's them. True. You're going to remember your time with them. But they're not going to hurt you the way they hurt you now. Absolutely. One day, he's just going to be another person. And until that day, you can pretend that he's just another person. That's right. It's going to be like that goatee song. We love you. Oh, yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> that was that was close. That was adjacent to the song. Listen, I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying. So, just so we're clear. All right, an open wound. Uh, Thank you okay, so much for you. writing in. Um, you got this. We know you got this. You, you are going to You're going to figure it out, I promise. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes to us from requited but forbidden whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us between two heartbreaks. Mm. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Admittedly, I, 26, cis woman, she, her, only just found your podcast in the last month, but I have been listening near nonstop to catch up on the years I missed. I started listening as I was having trouble with my ex, 25, cis man, he, him, respecting my boundaries in the wake of our breakup, but I wish that 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 were the only struggling relationship in my life. About two months ago, Mary in quotes, 24 cis woman, she, her reached out to ask me if I would be willing to help with a couple of aspects of her business. We were friendly before she asked this, but I would definitely not call us friends at the time. I agreed because I did genuinely like Mary as a person and the work was well within my abilities. Over the first few weeks, we talked mostly about work and mostly over text, but we worked together in person a few times and pretty quickly started communicating all of the time about work, but other aspects of life. She quickly became the closest friend in my life, definitely in the present, but I think probably ever. We really, quote, get each other and told each other as much. I'm not a super spiritual person, but she suggested the idea that we could be twin flames, and I guessed... That gives me some kind of hope that this is all, this will all work out however it's supposed to be. I'm still pinning down what labels feel best regarding my sexuality, but for these purposes, let's consider me bisexual. Even though this was all happening as I was going through a breakup, I feel, I felt myself, but 
being drawn to her and looking forward to the next time I would get to talk to her or see her. I like the person I am when I'm around her, which is in stark contrast to how I felt at the end of my past relationship. So that may be a part of what makes me so borderline obsessed with her. Although she's bisexual, she's in a monogamous relationship and lives with her cis man boyfriend. For the most part, she speaks very positively about her relationship and I love her and I want her to be happy. So I would not want anything to mess up a relationship she wants to preserve. So I was going about life supporting her as a close friend and assuming I had an unrequited crush that I would never act on or speak of. We live over an hour for, from each other. So there were two weekends where we worked at night and stayed together and then worked together again in the morning. Both of these weekends, we stayed up well into the early morning, pouring our hearts out to each other. And I just felt so fulfilled in ways I have not in any other relationship, platonic or romantic. During the second weekend like this, she was consoling me as I was struggling with guilt about the hurt I caused the man I broke up with. Nothing physical happened that I would ever that I would not done have done with a close friend hugs, resting my head on her shoulder, my hand on her arm. We went about our work the next day, but when we were almost finished, she told me that she is attracted to me and has a crush on me. And that even though she is confident that we would never cross a physical line, we needed to put more distance between us in hopes that her obsession would cool off a little. I was a little bit surprised and more than anything, I was sad because I did not want our dynamic to change and I felt so resolved in not uh, not to act on my personal feelings. Later that day, she talked to her boyfriend who acted at the time very understanding and cool, telling her that as long as nothing happened, he was okay with us being friends. That week, we maintained our normal working friendship dynamic, but I was fucked up. I felt like my existence was causing the uh, problems for the people I cared about, Mary, as well as my ex, who was texting me really sad, distressed messages every day. I expressed this to Mary, who told me that I was not causing problems, but that she would understand if I wanted to cut contact because it was too hard to be around someone who you have feelings for, but who is unavailable. I told her that the real problem was that I felt like she was having an emotional affair with me and that even though that's not what I wanted selfishly, it felt like the right thing to do would be to cut myself out of this equation. She did not seem that worked up about it at the time, but when we she talked to her boyfriend, he was 100% in favor of cutting me out. So she called me and told me that we would not be friends and that she would be replacing the roles I was filling in her business. She did sound sad about it, but not as heart, heartbroken as I felt. That lasted almost a week before we saw each other again, talked and agreed that we were both miserable and missed each other and decided to try to work together for the time being and try to be friends again on some arm's length basis. That was a week ago now, and we've basically gone back to what I initially called an emotional, an emotional affair. We talk on the phone most days, and she confides in me about all kinds of things happening in her personal life. She told me that her crush is basically under control, but that she will always be attracted to me. My feelings have not changed at all, though. I think she's an amazing person, and I feel sick over the idea of not having her in my life. I know that we were each fine without each other just a few months ago, but I just really don't want to lose her. And I do think that I'm relatively irreplaceable, both within her business and as a support for her. My question is, is it even possible to be friends with her in a way that is healthy for me? 
Is it my job as a third party to break off what I perceive may still be an emotional affair? When I lay it all out like this or talk to people in my life about it, I see that I'm showing up fully and nonstop for her to an extent that she cannot reciprocate. I am powerless within the relationship and I'm only trying to be friends with her on the terms that she and her boyfriend set out. Even though logical and selfless me know that Mary is in a happy relationship that I should not want to disrupt and that I am not more than a friend to her, I do think there's a selfish part of me that wants to stake my claim to her heart. Ultimately, I think I actually would do whatever I knew would be best for Mary, even if it means me suffering, but I'm not so sure what is right now. I hope to get your thoughts on this. It's definitely sort of forbidden love with a queer twist. Thank you for everything (laughs) you do. All right, requited but forbidden. Um, what a what a difficult position to be in um, to have all of these feelings and this closeness with someone who you seem to really um, appreciate and admire and want to be with, um, and to find yourself in such physical and emotional proximity to this person, and also know that it's not going to work. Um, combined with what seems like a lot of sort of guilt and um, anxiety around the fact that this feels like an emotional affair that you are participating in um, or sort of enticing this person to participate in. Um, that's just like a lot, you know, like it's a lot to have on your emotional plate in this moment. Um, so just want to want to say that I'm really sorry that you're going through all of that and that Um, I can only imagine how many different types of emotions are really present in your, in your experience right now. Yeah, that's a great place to start. And I'll also kick it off with an affirmation. You are not what is causing pain in people's lives. Like you are Mm -hmm. not the chaos that comes into people's good lives and disrupts them. You are not something that is... Um, harmful into in for interpersonal relationships, even though you're seeing this pattern of two people being hurt by your presence, that pattern isn't real. Yeah. Um, relationships are inherently painful, even though <laughs> they are also inherently good. Like life is yep. chaotic. Like who knows? Like, I, like we could, this doesn't have, this isn't you is what I'm trying to say. I hear mm-hmm. a lot of like negative self-talk um, simmering behind the words that you used in this letter. And you're like, I'd rather suffer. Um, I'm causing chaos in this relationship. I'm hurting people. I'm a bad thing here. And that's not, I just, I'm, I want to start off by saying it's not you. You are not what is causing this strife. You are all equal players in this, right? With agency um, and with choices, but you're not like some evil force that comes in and wrecks people's lives. You're just a human interacting with other humans, which is inherently messy. For sure. Yeah, there are, I know it feels like you're the one sort of dynamic that's at play here, but there are millions and millions of different things that are playing into this situation that are not you and that are 100% outside of your control. So it's not you that's bringing down this emotional stuff that's happening. It's it's all of the different yeah. complicated factors. Um, yeah. Before we get into this like emotional affair thing, I also just want to say like you can block your ex, and I think that like maybe that would be a good healthy thing for you because you don't need to be receiving um, 
sad, distressed yeah. messages daily from a person who you're no longer with. Um, and it's not your job to make you them feel better about this breakup or whatever it is that yeah. is causing them pain. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a great thing to say that I didn't okay, think great. of Just wanted to, <laughs> wanted to get that out of there because that like came up and I was like, I realized that this is tangential, but I want to make sure that we like touch on it. Well, and it's connected to what I said too. It's like, um, you're not a bad person for breaking up with someone, right? No. It hurts and people are hurt in breakups, but breakups, that 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 is a unavoidable part of being human in relationships unless you want to be in a relationship you don't want to be in for the rest of your life. Like right. we, mm-hmm. we are going to hurt people. It, it doesn't make us inherently bad people, right? Yep. It doesn't make us inherent assholes when we are the asshole in somebody else's story, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely not your job to receive this person's pain just because you're the cause of it. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about Mary. And it seems like there's really Mary. something about Mary that is irresistible. Oh my God, I, hate, <laughs> I hate how glum you look right now. I'm just so proud of yourself. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, talking about Mary, I want to just say to you, like just explicitly, um, I think that you need to end this relationship, but not for the sake of Mary and her partner and like this guilt there that you're is. having about like an emotional affair, but because I don't want you to be in this relationship that is causing you so much pain, right? Like this relationship isn't working for you because you want to be with somebody who can be fully with you, that wants to commit to you, that wants to um, be able to go on weekend trips with you and not have to feel guilty afterwards, right? Like all of those things that you're looking for are not present with Mary. And I know, I know that Mary is like, you are twin flames for sure. And that you have this like really intense connection. But sometimes what we do when we're in types of situations like this is that we like pretend like the other aspects of the person that are getting in the way of our relationship are not also somehow inherent to them, right? It's like, oh, Mary and I are twin flames. Uh, If only she weren't also dating this person as if like she is somehow separate from the fact that she's dating this person, Mm, right? Like as if that that is is somehow a a separate fact from your relationship or from her experience as a person, right? Like her relationship with her partner is part of who she is. It's not tangential or like separate from. So this idea of like, oh, she's perfect for me, but this thing, it's like, no, she's not perfect for you because she has this thing, because this thing is part of who she is. Um, And I recognize that there's like so much connection there. There's so much good conversation and all of this good stuff. But I also say, I'm going to say that that good stuff is really coming at the expense of your sense of self, your your mental and wellness, health and wellness, right? Like your idea of whether or not you're worthy of somebody fully committing to you. And so this, this relationship isn't a problem for me because, because of the emotional affair that's taking place between Mary and her partner. Although if she wrote in, right, we would definitely talk about that. It's concerning for me because it's causing you so much pain, right? And you don't deserve right. that. And that's, and that's enough. Not, yeah. That's right. enough for you to, to step away from this because again, you deserve somebody who is going to want to show up for you, not as an emotional side piece, but as like the person that they want to be with and the person that they want to give time and energy and attention to. Yeah. 
I'm going to tack two thoughts onto that. This maybe this friendship isn't safe for you, and that's enough. Um, mm-hmm. Like thinking about this as a friendship and not an interpersonal rela- or not a romantic relationship. Um, this friendship doesn't really sound sustainable to su- sustainable to me or safe for you. Um, in terms of like your feelings and your wellness, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I want to like sort of muscle through this idea of being friends with somebody that you have a crush on. It's possible. It's, it happens, right? It, we do those things every day. We are perfectly capable of working through our romantic feelings to find the friendship within. Sure. But I think it requires intentional space and it requires closing doors in our hearts and it requires acknowledging what is our, what are our friend feelings and what are our romantic feelings and, and seeing if you, if you like sift through the two, is there enough feelings left to, to, to warrant a friendship? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I, I'm like trying to, like I said, like figure out what I want to say about this because I'm not, um, I always want to protect our listeners and like protect them from pain. So I'm like, immediately I want to say like, stop hanging out with this person who's going to inevitably hurt you mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because like you said in your letter, they cannot reciprocate as you are reciprocating to them. Right. Which is an equation for hurt. Right. And also like, I, if this, if this person is the best friend you've had in a long time, then I want you to try to fix that relationship. And also I want to propose the idea that from my perspective, just from my perspective on, you know, on this page of information that I know about your life, which is very limited. um, These feelings that you're describing don't sound like friendship feelings. They sound like an intense crush an intense desire of romantic feelings so what i want to know is what's what are behind the romantic feelings and is there enough of a friendship underneath this relationship this relationship which i might add is very young which is why i feel like these are not friend feelings these are crush feelings obviously that's very like fourth grade of me to try to talk about and i know that people are really complex and nuanced and and sometimes our friendship and our romantic feelings really blend together. Sometimes they are holding the hands for the rest of your life, you know, but. But I do think like thinking about that, this relationship has only ever existed yes. in this like fraught place, right? Like, it's not like you yes. were friends for. That's the point I wanted to make. And then, exactly. Like, and then over the course of the last two months, you've been like navigating this like weird situation where f- these feelings have come up and you want to go back to the the place where you were like, this is the only way yeah. that the relationship has ever existed. So it either needs like a full reset where it's like, okay, yes. completely new getting to know you boundaries, all of that stuff, or it needs to, to end because right now all that it has been is fraught, right? Like beautiful right. and electric and magnetic and all of those things that you're talking about and also deeply fraught because there's so much emotional and romantic stuff, right? Behind what this this seemingly platonic relationship is because it it's never been platonic. Like I'll just say that. It has never been platonic. It has that, always been bordering on yeah. romantic. 
Yeah. And we're saying that from our perspective, right? Like we don't know what it's like in your body. We don't know what those intimate moments look like, but like, I'm like Sam said, I might be saying something differently if you were friends for several years and then these feelings sort of grew organically. Like this sounds like somebody you met and you instantly vibe with on a romantic level, like Mm -hmm. queer desire is happening right there organically (laughs) period (laughs) you know um like and don't get me wrong as a bisexual person like it can be deeply confusing sometimes when you're like do i want (laughs) to fuck you or do i want to befriend you you know Uh both (laughs) um and that's also possible right like that's a that's a great relationship that could exist it's just not this relationship (laughs) right because and uh, i don't know i feel I'm feeling conflicted because like, I know that in the real world outside of this podcast, you know, outside of our wishes for people, um, we are friends with all sorts of people that like, maybe we shouldn't be friends with, you know, because they are not 100% emotionally safe for us. Like I, if I'm like thinking about the emotional safeness of my relationships, like rating them on a percentage thing, you know, not, you know, all of my friends friendships and my relationships and my family relationships are not a hundred percent safe. Right. Like they all come with small, small, like emotional taxes or risks or whatever. It's just a matter of like, a is this a genuine friendship or is it queer desire? Is it a romance? You know, B are you valuing your comfort and your energy and your, what you're putting into this as much as you're valuing, valuing what, Mary wants what's what Mary needs to thrive or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and are you, are you settling, right? Are you settling for friendship or like, how does this friendship look like it's going to last? How, how, how is this friendship going to be sustainable? You know, I believe it could be, but I think there has to be like an emotional break space for you to close those heart doors and come yeah. back to this friendship anew, knowing, like, I guess basically you'll have to come to this friendship the way you did originally, not knowing about Mary's reciprocation. And she has to come to this friendship fully committing to closing that door, you know? And is that possible? Yeah, yeah that's I the question. Know. No, that is the question. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's that. That's sort of the recipe for how you could do it in like a in an ideal world. But the question is, is like, is that actually possible given all of the stuff that's been happening over the course of the last few months? Um, and I, yeah, I tend to think no, but I also like, I'm open to the idea that like you two could figure this out. My only issue is, is that like the conversations that are gonna lead to you figuring it out are maybe gonna also going to feel, they are going to be really intimate. They're going to be very emotional. That's so fucking real. That's so real. Let's talk about this. I'm and then already drunk like, on the like hot drama of it. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, absolutely. I like just thinking about it is my body is flooding with all sorts of hormones that are not helpful <laughs> in terms of like creating emotional distance between people. You know what's hot? There's fucking nothing hotter than having the conversation about like, we can't think we're, I can't think that you're hot anymore and you can't think that I'm hot anymore. So like, oh God, how can then we absolutely. deal with that? And then like four days later, you're telling each other like, you're I like, can't help it. I just think elbows, you're so hot. Your elbows yeah, rub absolutely. up together and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a crush on you. 
I don't. I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but I still do. Um, no. Oh my God. There's nothing hotter than that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I can tell we know what you're feeling, and I'm sorry. The amount of fanning you're doing over on your screen. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, is there ever going to be anything you don't out that I do on camera? Like when I fucking eat my hard boiled eggs or my nasty smoothies or my granola by the small handful. <laughs> I'm always like, Sam won't tell people I'm doing this. This is a safe space. This is what I'm talking about. There's no friendship. Sam, Sam and I's friendship is not a safe space because he outs what I'm doing on camera, which you all can watch now on YouTube. They are going to hear it. I can I hear the sound always, of the fan. <laughs> Oh my God, Spencer's going to be so mad at me. I'm so sorry, Spencer. Okay, I didn't know you could hear it. <laughs> okay, maybe he can audio engineer that out. Um, anyway. No, he's gifted. <laughs> I'm sure that he will be able to. He is gifted. Um, okay, last thing I want to say to you, my darling, um, unrequited uh, but forbidden. Um, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to hurt, right? It hurts. Yep. It yep. hurts to, to want somebody and... And to have to make the choices to 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 put boundaries between that person or to say like, nope, I'm not going to I can't be available to you wholly, even though those scraps, man, those scraps taste so good. They mm-hmm. they they fill me up. But the, but you're not really full, are you? You're you're really settling for an empty stomach. So yep. I'm just going to I'm here to remind you, like you're. It's going to hurt, but you're not powerless. You use the word powerless and it broke my heart. You're not powerless in this. Mm -hmm, You can mm -hmm. say, you know what? This friendship is really great, but I want more. And I know that in the long run, it's going to hurt me because I want more from you that you can't give me. I need some space. Let's try this again in six months. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you're not powerless. You have agency and you have choice. Um, I know, I know, I know it is so incredibly difficult to make the hard decisions against what we want, but is what, you know, in favor of what is good for us. That's like adulting to a T and 98% of adults can't do that, you know? For sure. And I think, you know, I feel for you. And the last time that you tried to take this clean break, you know, you saw each other a week later and you agreed that you were both miserable and missed each other. And I want to say that like, yes. Absolutely. That's going to be the expected outcome of taking a break from each other, right? It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It means that, yeah, because you really uh, loved and appreciated each other, that you were each other's person for a while there. And of course, you're going to be miserable. And of course, you're going to miss each other. And it's worth, at least in my opinion, it's worth this big heartbreak to prevent yourself from experiencing these everyday little heartbreaks for no discernible purpose, right? Towards no goal in mind, right? right? This is like, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to do this hurt because I know that it's going to be better for me in the future, as opposed to what you're doing now, which is going to, which is like, I'm going to swallow all of these tiny heartbreaks over and over again for what to continue to swallow those tiny heartbreaks over and over again for until something is different, until we die, until we finally realize that we need to have this breakup, until one of us gets so mad at the other that we stop talking, right? Like, and so I want you to to recognize that like this big heartbreak is intentional and with a with a goal in mind. You're working towards something. That's beautiful. And it's it's supposed to feel bad. <laughs> that's the reality. Like that's what it's gonna feel like. Um, and so when you're noticing those feelings of of being sad and being lonely and missing her, I want you to remind yourself, like, yep, 
this is what I expected. This is exactly how this should be going. And the fact that I'm having these feelings doesn't mean I made the wrong choice. It means that I'm doing the thing that I set out to do. Absolutely. I totally agree. That's beautiful. We hope that this helps. Requited, but forbidden. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right. Our next letter comes from Mary Me, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from Central Coast, California. Sam and Sierra, I'm hopelessly in love and incredibly stressed out, which is like every every letter writer. <laughs> <laughs> It's me, too, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> like right now. I'm just... Honestly, yeah. Yeah. I'm a 33-year-old cisgender female dating a cisgender 30-year-old man. I moved to a new city and joined a softball team in an attempt to make new friends, but unexpectedly met the goofiest guy who stole my heart instead. You know the story, the butterflies, the fireworks, the endless laughs, and that deep connection, that true, true love. It's pretty freaking great. So what is the problem? Well, I don't know. Can't we just get it together and talk about all the great aspects of love? Okay, you guessed it. (laughs) There are problems. As we go closer, we've identified some pretty important core value differences. Most notably, I want to get married and have kids, and he doesn't. We've discussed this several times, often to the point of tears. If we know we want different things, what's the point of being together now? If you are on a bus that is going to drive off a cliff eventually, when do you stop and get off? Now? In an hour? Right before the edge? In this metaphor, the cliff is an undeniable, terrible, deadly outcome. However, in the case of my relationship, we have no idea where the bus will take us. It may lead us to something that we both really enjoy. It is is a challenging question that feels like a lose-lose. I can't deny that my day-to-day life is so much more fun and exciting with him by my side, and it seems counterintuitive to walk away from something that brings me so much unrelenting happiness. Then again, childbearing is somewhat time-sensitive, and although I hate how toxic conversations about childbearing, fertility, and parenthood can be, they affect me. There is a literal point in time, the notorious fertility cliff, when I can no longer have kids, and that time frame seems to be coming sooner rather than later these days. Choosing to stay with this man feels like I'm choosing not to have kids, which I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to. I'm trying to suppress it, but the anxiety and resentment is growing. More recently, nights of casual drinking and in sloppy tears, my tears. We won't necessarily fight, but the smallest disagreement will spiral into a larger-than-life conversation about our compatibility. It's not pretty and takes away from the magnificence we share when we, I, choose not to focus on the future. 
I want to take a moment and address alcohol since we both have family histories of alcoholism. This isn't that. Instead, I'm pointing out how feelings that I'm avoiding seem to come up in a way that is chaotic and unproductive when alcohol is in the mix. I cut out the alcohol, which is great and helps, but the alcohol was only exacerbating the emotions that are already there. This is what my question is truly about. How do I make peace with this relationship? If I choose to stay with them and see where the ride takes us, how do I resolve the ever-present anxieties that I gave up the future I always envisioned for myself? When we talk about the future of our relationship, my partner says that he won't be able to give me the things that I am looking for, again, marriage and kids, and that I will eventually outgrow him. He says that he will be sad, but that he knows it will come someday. Am I wrong to feel like this statement is so incredibly selfish? He can't promise a future with me, but is also opting out of the messy breakup too. I love this man so wholly and truly, and I'm really scared to reach the end of this relationship. I've been dating since I was 16, and I'm now in my 30s. Perhaps that feels like a lot or a little or what even is time. All of this is to say I've gone through more rounds of heartbreak than I can comprehend and I really truly never want to go through it again. I want him as my forever partner. I have an anxious attachment style, a history of codependency and a fear of being alone. I'm doing my head and heart work to address these fears and give myself the comfort I need, but I still just want to get married and I want to get married to him. I'm not sure what to do. I want to hold on to him. I want to envision the rest of my life with him. And I hate feeling this could be another temporary chapter in our lives. This seems to not be a concern or fear of his. What would you do? Thank you for listening. Even if you do not choose this letter for your podcast, thank you for providing content that has helped me feel less alone in the world. Thank you so much for writing and for listening and for joining us on our 200th episode. Um, all right. So I think Sam and I are going to give a little bit of tough love and then affirmation. <laughs> um, <laughs> tough love uh, is affirmation. How about that? <laughs> very true. Tough it's love is, true. you know, and it's not tough love. It's just like the perspective from our cushy, cushy seat over here in our, in our rainbow tower. To in our rainbow tower. Throw, That's right. <laughs> throw it back to a couple episodes ago. Um, this sucks. This mm. sucks so hard, right? This is a particular pain, right? When you got a good thing, but you don't know if the good thing is sustainable because you don't have the same shared vision for your future, right? When you're, I mean, at its core, incompatible, right? Mm. Um, I guess the, I guess what I want to say first is I want you to, now is the time to confirm why and if you want children and marriage, period, hmm. right? And if the answer is yes, which it sounds like because it's not, you didn't say it once in your letter, like, I'm not sure if I want kids, but I think I want the option. You know, you said, I want kids. I want to get married. Mm -hmm. I, if that is true, then I'm sorry because this is deeply painful, but that is an incompatibility for this relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man, it's hard to walk away from a good thing, right? So yeah. so now, again, now is the time to double down on wanting children. Meaning, like, if it's, it sucks and it's painful to, to, and it's hard to wish somebody wasn't who they were. That you love this person so much and yet this 5% of them isn't compatible with the vision you have for in your life. Mm. Um I know that you say this is a, you know, you don't want this to be yet another temporary chapter, but maybe I could like turn, turn,
turn the perspective for you slightly and say like everything is a everything is a temporary chapter in our lives. We are inherently impermanent and our relationships are impermanent. You know, we we are not guaranteed time with people. Um, we can, all we are guaranteed is that we have agency and that we have choice hypothetically. Right. Um, hopefully. Right. That we have that we are liberated enough to be able to make decisions over, over our own lives. And. I know that it's painful to walk away from this good person. And I'm not even saying that you need to do that. I am saying that you need to decide here and now whether you want. Well, no, fuck. Honestly, I'm hesitating right there because I fucking hate that particularly fertility conversations come with a with threats, with ultimatums. And that puts I don't want to contribute to that. But man, it's complicated. It definitely is. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are realities of like fertility that you can do to elongate the amount of time that you are able to have children, um, by like freezing your eggs or whatever it is. Um, but -hmm. if that's something that you want to do, you do have to be intentional about it. Right. And there is like this reality of timeline, um, because of biology, (laughs) Um, and not to say like, have kids now or you never will, but to say like, this is a decision that you're going to have to make at some point. Um, and it's going to have to be in the next, whatever many years, um, which sucks, right? Like I don't, I wish that it didn't like, it's just reality too. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, like maybe, maybe we could just like collectively practice acceptance of that is that it's not fair. It's not fair and it's not pleasant and it's stressful and it sucks that it's put on, the, the burden is is n- almost exclusively put on folks with uteruses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not fair, but that mm. is the reality, right? Absolutely. Um, and of course, there are other options for having children that are not, you know, child rearing, right? Like adoption, surrogacy, all of those good things as well. So like those are possibilities for sure. But I think what you're talking about is like wanting to have and raise your your children um, sort of biologically, um, in which case, like, yeah, this is a decision that you have to make. But I don't this conversation is like not even about that. It's about like this core incompatibility that you have with this person. Yeah. Um, and the the way that you seem to be doubting these two things that are clearly important to you. Right. Like you said at the beginning of the letter, like, I want to get married and have kids. And then by the end of the letter, you were like. Well, I don't know if I know if I want to do that. And it's I want you to to be clear that like it's okay to want those things. And the fact that you're incompatible with this person doesn't mean that you have to change those core values. It just means that you need to find somebody who's going to be compatible with those core values who it seems like isn't this this person. Um and I think he's even acknowledged that to you, right? He said it out loud to you. Like, I am not going to be able to provide those things. And I think that you're going to have to move on from me because those things are not in my ability to give, which was sure a selfish thing to say, as you say in your letter, but it was also a very realistic thing to say in, in sort of assessing what's going on for him in this relationship as well. Um, totally. And yeah, like, I think that like, we could make an argument that the mature or adult thing in that situation would be to end the relationship. But I also like don't want to discredit him for the fact that he has the relationship he wants right now, right? Like he has you, he seems to really like you and want to be with you and marriage and kids are not present. So he doesn't have to worry about them. 
And so like, it sucks that yes, this means the burden is being placed on you, but I also want to point, like point out that the, the, in, the relationship is most incompatible for you. So it does seem like it has to be on your plate to decide whether or not it's going to work for you and to pull the trigger. I don't like that word. Cause I don't want to talk about guns to uh, do the damn thing. If you need to break up with him. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, this is where the tough love comes in. And honestly, it's not even, it's not like you're doing anything wrong and it's not like cruel, tough love. It's just like stating an uncomfortable truth, which is right. we have to all take responsibility for our desires. And that is often directly in odds of fucking other people. You know what I mean? Of like mm -hmm. their fucking desires and like, and, sure. or staying in relationships, right? Like if your desire is to be with somebody who wants children, then you need to take responsibility for that desire and leave this man who is a good mm. man who makes you for happy. Sure. And, and I don't even like saying that out loud because it sounds like so tough on you. And I have so much compassion for you. I have Absolutely. so much compassion and love for you because I know that fucking fertility cliff I know what it's like to feel like you've been dating since you were a fucking teenager and how exhausting that feels. Although time out, small, like perspective shift on that. A lot of people, that's like not an abnormal thing. I think we feel like, <laughs> right. oh my God, I've fucking been dating for 20 fucking years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> mm -hmm. But then you're like, well, that's like, that's like a normal trajectory. And unfortunately we, we, we love people to learn how to love people. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's like normal. So like, we're not the most fucked up people, but anyway, going back to that, like I have going back to what I was saying, I have, I have love and empathy for you. And I want you to have the life that you want, which is, I think why I'm speaking so directly is because yeah, I, like thinking about the relationship I was in at 31 with somebody who couldn't show up for me and, mm -hmm. and who kept saying, kept giving me empty promises of like wanting children and wanting to be together, but like never could never show me those, those promises in action was like, wouldn't show up for conversations about like, okay, you want kids? Like when, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, 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 because I needed to, because you and I, my darling, marry me, are in, we're in the same position, right? Like that I needed to, I needed to put actions behind my desires. And because my partner at the time couldn't, I had to go find somebody who would. And like, mm. I just want to say that this relationship sounds good. And mm. I'm, I, you don't have to get married to have a great relationship and you don't have to have kids to have great relationships. Like we, Sam, Sam and Peter have an amazing childless relationship and that is a choice that they made together and they're, and they're happy mm -hmm. for it and their love is happy for it and it's thriving. Um, but I do want to say if this is what you want, then there is a love out there who will not make you heartbroken over this. There's a love yep. out there who will collaborate with you, who will, mm -hmm. who will make those timelines, who will go to the fucking clinic with you, who will talk about, making babies, you know what I mean? Like who will, who, who want that with you. Right. And so like, again, kind of like what Sam was saying in the last letter, instead of separating this wonderful partner from the reality that he doesn't want kids and thinking of him as a separate touch, you know, like 
innocent entity and that his desires to not have kids is on the other side of the room. It has nothing to do with him. Put them together. They're in the same body. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. we have to sit with both realities at the same time. Um, don't get me wrong. All of this fucking sucks. And it's deeply painful. And like, it it's like makes me sad to even have to put you in that position, but, or, or to have our words put you in that position. But, but more so, I know that we can do hard things. I know that you deserve to have the life that you desire. And oftentimes those desires require hard choices. Um, yeah. Going back to your bus metaphor, it's like, when do you get off the bus? That metaphor works only if you if you take that metaphor to the grave. First question, how cushy <laughs> is that bus right now, right? How comfortable mm-hmm. are you truly if you're crying regularly when you have art, when you have conversations about your future, right? Mm-hmm. And and if we're if we're using the bus metaphor, we have to talk about other buses then, right? Cuz some buses out there are not directed towards a cliff, right? right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some mm-hmm. buses out there are going to be like a long beautiful journey to parenthood with you. Um yeah, I don't know. I, the only thing that's making me hesitate here is again, like, not. I don't want to contribute to like this sensation of um, all or nothing thinking when it comes to fertility issues, because I know it just like adds to the the general panic that that we and I have felt. Um, and also, I just want to reiterate that, like, I absolutely. believe with my whole body that relationships don't need marriage and children to be of quality, to, to, to have merit and to have longevity. Um, which is why I started the beginning of this letter by saying now is the time to decide if this is what you want, because if it is, then you need to make choices that unfortunately reinforce that and maybe make your life more uncomfortable in the interim, you know? And I think that there's like, there is some toxicity to this, like live in the moment mentality, right? Like I believe deeply in being present and to not be doing time traveling around like what could happen or like trying to like change what did happen. But I do think that thinking about the future and making intentional uh, plans in the present towards that future doesn't mean that you're not living in the present. Um, or enjoying the things that you are thinking or that you're experiencing in this moment. But I do, I think it's being intentional. Like it's, it's trying to work towards a goal and, and you can make decisions that are fully present in this moment that serve the future that you're working towards. And sometimes we get this thing of like, don't think about the future, just live in the present. But like, there is a level of, right. Like there is a level of toxicity there that is like, well, I need to think about the future to decide what I'm going to do in this present. And that, and that is like hitting it, the nail on the head in terms of the pressures around fertility too, that we, mm-hmm. I think folks with uteruses are, or uteri are constantly told like, you know, don't stress it. It will happen in time. Like people will, you know, people will change their mind. They'll end up wanting kids or, right. you know, like it, that is part of that toxic narrative that adds to why that becomes such a stressful thing for so many people around the world. Honestly, this is like kind of a tangential thing, but when we were talking earlier, um, I wonder if basically I have, 
I got pregnant through the process of IVF and I don't know right. if I've ever actually told anybody that publicly. Um, but that's what our fertility doctor suggested after I lost one of my fallopian tubes from our ectopic, ectopic pregnancy. So I've gone through an egg retrieval process. And so maybe sort of like Spencer talking about the vasectomy, if you're interested in that process, um, let me know. And maybe I will talk about it on the show sometime. Yeah, Shoot us a DM I, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. I also just want to say that like, that it'll happen in time approach to fertility is like super ableist and like, yeah, totally. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, it'll happen in time. But like, what if I don't have a working fallopian tube or actually like, yeah. what if the type of sex that I have isn't going to result in pregnancy, right? Like it's right. not going to happen in time. I have to make intentional decisions about it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's painted. It's like painted as like this desperate woman or like this desperate person. Absolutely. It's like the pendulum swing of progression is always like there's something wrong with the traditional thing. So so like we feel shame for wanting children and making that a priority when we should feel more, quote unquote, liberated to be childless. But when reality, there's nothing fucking wrong with either. (laughs) No, it's if you Uh. want children, great. If you don't want children, great. But I think it's like there's toxicity at both ends of that spectrum of yes. like being Absolutely. really shamey to women, sorry, to people with uteruses and saying like, do it now because eventually you'll be an old hag and you'll you'll be infertile yeah. and then your worth will be gone versus like. Yeah. And then you're also relax. like worthless because don't you don't want a child, it. you know. Right. Or like. Yeah. You're worrying too much. Like if you if you get a child, yes. it'll come to you. And it's like there there's an in-between totally. here that is like an acknowledgement of the realities of biology that isn't shamey and an acknowledgement of the fact yeah. that like sometimes it doesn't just happen and like intentional work needs to go into it. That Yes. Because you had to make you literally had at one point to make a choice to say like I'm going to extract these eggs from my body. I can't just sit I literally here and like wait for day. it to happen. <laughs> right? Like I, I know the day it was literally probably like 30 days after our ectopic like emergency surgery that I was like, OK, all right, I'm going to do IVF. I'm going to I'm going to make these. I'm going to go to a million appointments and I'm going to make this happen. Yep. Anyway, I feel like anyway, we got a little neither, off track, but yeah, I, that's not there nor there. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about appointments, but let us know um, in a DM or a message if you want to hear more about that. Um, back to you, marry me. Obviously, we feel very passionately about your happiness and about you having the agency and the giving yourself permission to say this is good. This is good, and it. And also, I want more. I want something else. Um, and we, and and I give you permission to lean into the deep, deep, complicated pain of that, right? Mm-hmm. To say this is good. And also, I want something else. Um, I give you permission to walk away from a good thing, to go find something better. I also give you permission to change your mind and say, you know what? This relationship has opened my eyes to what my life could feel like without children. And I think I'm comfortable exploring that for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly, I just give you permission to let your desires take up space. And and it's, it's not about giving those desires consequences. It's about giving them life, giving them, giving them choices that back them up. Right. 
you're allowed to take up space in that decision-making process. And you have agency. You're allowed to stand up for those desires. Anyway, now I'm getting a little rambly. We love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) We do. Thank you so much for writing. We hope that this very random conversation helps in some way. (laughs) It helped me. It helped me. (laughs) All right, (laughs) y'all. Thanks for writing. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with a podcast called Band. Um, Band. I Band, like not like musical band, but like a band book or I don't know, a band uh, choice over your body. So um, (laughs) if you're like me and you sought out... Um, any sort of comprehensive explanation as to how we got to this place where um, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Um, You can find some great uh, information, comprehensive um, sort of like path in this podcast band. It's a narrative story about how a Mississippi law, um, an abortion ban in Mississippi led to um, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, And I also just want to say like Sam and I are on like an advanced uh, recording schedule. So we can't really respond in real time to things quite as effectively. Um, And also like sometimes we don't have the emotional bandwidth because we're humans too. Um, um, But we just, you know, in general, like I, I always think of our listeners when fucked up shit happens um, and whether or not we speak on it, we are thinking of you and we are hoping that you are well Mm -hmm. um, and We are hoping that you are filled with anger, but we also hope that you are well and safe. Anyway, this is all to say the podcast is all, it's called Band. You know, it's, um, there's a great narrator, narrator, um, and it basically tells the timeline of what led us here and the strategies that the anti-abortion activists took and just the general luck and timing of it all. Um, and it's super informative and easy to consume. So you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at just break up pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions of, about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support, if you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. And if you support us for $10 a month, you will get access to the Patreon Live that Sierra and I are doing on July 31st at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Uh, This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, producing, editing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his most recent podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember, just because you are hurting doesn't mean you are powerless. Just because you don't know what the right answer is in this moment doesn't mean you do not have agency to decide. The bittersweet truth of life is... We can all do hard things, even as it breaks our heart. Mm. And if all else fails, 
Just break up.